Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. So how are you going with your homework? Uh, we had some homework last week. Uh, it wasn't, maybe it really wasn't homework. It was probably more of a forced confession, wasn't it, at the end of the message? And the confession went like this. I know a mess when I see one because I am one. Look at that. There are people doing their homework. <laughs> So liberating and part of the way that you know you've done your homework too is that if you've done your homework, or one of the ways you know that you haven't done your homework is you're quick to judge. You're quick to criticise. You're quick to point things out. If you haven't done your homework, then you haven't seen the reality of if we're real about it, our lives are a mess. And the more that we see our own lives the more it gives us the ability to not stand in, in judgment of others or as Judgy McJudgy, I was called it last week. <laughs> and look, if you do that, inevitably what happens is you begin to look at the mess and acknowledge the mess. What we saw too, though, is that something happens. We often say to ourselves, well, nobody's perfect. And when we do that, we're actually acknowledging that if nobody's perfect, there is a perfect that nobody is. You know, that sense of that standard, that feeling, that, that thing that we sense the, that we ought to or is should or right or good or just or the things that just should be right with the world. And by the way, you don't, you don't need to be a Christian to feel this. I, I chat to lots of non-Christians who feel that sense of rightness and justice and the way that the world should be. So if nobody's perfect, there's a standard by which... There is an ultimate perfect. And the principle we learned last week is that then if you're willing to acknowledge that, then you're actually one step closer to God. You're one step closer to knowing him. If you're willing to acknowledge your mess, then you actually have an ability to sense the size and the scope of God's love for you in the realest of ways. This happened to me. As a kid, I thought it would be a good idea with my cousin to set up uh, a little bit of badminton in the backyard of our holiday house. And he and I decided, whilst all the folks were out for the day and we were home alone, uh, that we would play the wonderful rock band Guns N' Roses at uh, full 90 decibel volume out the windows of the house so we could have some music during our shuttlecock session. That's what we called it back in the 80s. And so we, we played one of their well-known songs called Get In The Ring. And you can see we've got a Guns N' Roses fan with us this morning who understands how some of those lyrics go. You want to antagonise me, mother something? Get in the ring, mother something. I don't want to fill in the blanks this morning. But needless to say, those lyrics went over and over and over and over for about a four and a half hour period that we were playing this game, which is just all very well at a holiday house, apart from the fact that our holiday house was right next to a retirement village. <laughs> needless to say, I don't think the residents, who probably were more in the realm of Vivaldi or Mozart, quite had the same appreciation for Guns N' Roses that we did. <laughs> anyway, when my, uh, when my auntie found out about this, who, by the way, was the manager of the retirement village next door, <laughs> uh, we got a sense that we were in trouble. We were in big trouble. In fact, we were in a mess. 
We got sent to our rooms, not just for an hour or two or for a season, but for the entire day. Bless the mess. Has that ever happened to you? You ever had a moment where you've made a mess of something in life that is so big, you've sensed that there is no way that I could possibly do anything to pay the person back for the mess that I've caused? (laughs) Because if it is you, I want to talk to that person today, particularly if you're going through that today. If you're not going through it today, you're probably bound to have a moment like that at some point in your life. But I want to talk to those today that have had those messes in your life that are so big, you feel there's nothing I can do to pay back the cost of what that mess has caused. You know, today there are people here saying, you know, I, I, I don't know what it might be. You know, you, maybe you've made a mess of your finances or a relationship. Or maybe you've made a mess of your schooling. Maybe you've made a mess of your business. Maybe it's so big that some of you are saying today, Sam, you know, I've got it all together. I'm wearing scarves. I've got the nice clothes on. But, you know, deep underneath my life is, my life is wrecked. And I don't know how to get out of it. What do I do? What I want to say to you this morning, if that is you, that you're not alone. <laughs> Remember last week, we learned here that the mess is the one thing that brings us all together. We all might wear different clothes, but the one thing that we have in common is the mess. So you're not alone in that. The mess is the thing that brings us together. But I also want you to discover today, and I don't want you to miss this, that the mess that you have created or may one day create may be the very thing that brings you closer to God. We see this in Jesus, that famous verse in uh, all of the Bible. Many people know it, Christian, non-Christian alike, that for God so loved the whole world. Pause on that for a second. That God so loved the whole world, not just the religious part of the world or the Christian part of the world or those that have made a decision for Jesus. He loves the whole world that he sent his only son so that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. We know that one, right? But if you're like me, you might skip over the very next verse, which I reckon is even better, better news. The even better news that we've got up there is for God did not send his son into the world to, here's this word that will come up today, we heard it in the passage, condemn the world. Few Christians have got to get a clue with this verse, right? To condemn, to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's a stark passage because if you don't think your life's in a mess, the fact that that passage is there is saying could be a hint that life could be messy. <laughs> that, that Jesus has been sent into the world to not to condemn us, but to rescue us, to save us. And what I love about it is it shows you that Jesus didn't come into the world to say, hey, you, know, hey, you with the messy life. Uh, Jesus hasn't come into the world to point out all the areas that you feel that you've stuffed up in life, to get in their faces and say, you're doing this and you're doing this and you're doing this. Jesus has come into the world to save us from ourselves. Because if we're willing to admit it, most of the time, we're the ones that get ourselves into the mess, Right? <laughs> We said the other week, uh, we pray in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation. We don't need to pray that bit because we're good enough at doing that ourselves. <laughs> so it's great news for us this morning that we see the heart of Jesus and there's no better place to see the brilliance in the heart of Jesus than in this passage of the woman who had been caught in adultery. Jesus has come down from the Mount of Olives just outside of Jerusalem comes up into the temple courts and those classic religious types have dragged a woman out in front of him who's committed adultery 
And so, first of all, we see that um, Jesus is meeting someone whose life is a mess. Uh, her marriage is a mess. Her reputation's a mess because he's been, she's been dragged out in front of the whole village. She's legally in a mess because they want to kill her. They want to execute her. They want to stone her. She's in a big mess. And when she's in the middle of the mess, who does she find? Jesus. <laughs> I love that. I love the fact that right in the middle of the mess, for God so loved, let's put the words in again, the messy world, we find Jesus in the mess. And here's what we see in Jesus. I love this. What we'll see in this situation, the whole situation's a mess. And here's what Jesus does in messes. When he's in a mess, Jesus messes with the good and he makes good the messy. Jesus messes with the good and he makes good the messy. Let's deal with the good first of all. We see here that Jesus says to these people, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, the religious type, brings this woman in in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, it commands us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? And what does Jesus say? We know this story so well. You don't even have to be a a Christian or a churchgoer to understand this story. You know this one. He says, Let he who is without sin throw the first... Stone. <laughs> and, what, and, what, and what happens? Uh, all of them, starting with the oldest first, the first, the oldest ones walk out. That's a whole other sermon. But, <laughs> but they're the ones who are often the most aware of the mess in their life. They walk out first and then everyone else files out. Now, I've misread, I've misread the principle of this story for years until I sat in and studied it this morning. Or this week leading up to this morning. I've misread it the whole way. Often the principle, we think like this, it means this. What this is showing is is that Jesus is saying that basically uh, no human being has the right to punish anyone else because, hey, nobody's perfect. Right? Is that how you might have read it? Something's really fascinating in this. And you see this when you dig into the nature of the Mosaic law and why they were coming to Jesus in the first place. They weren't coming to Jesus just to make an accusation. They were trying to trip him up on the law. And so when they come to him, it says, teacher, this woman caught in the act of adultery, in the law of Moses, they were coming to him with a legal question. Now, when you look at the law of the Old Testament and the New Testament, of course, there's a law against adultery. But there's actually a whole range of other laws and a key law that Jesus knew about was the law of partiality. In other words, the law of God hates injustice. It hates people twisting things. There's a law of impartiality that said almost no one got executed, by the way, for the act of adultery for two reasons. It was so rife back then that everyone was doing it. But more importantly, under Mosaic law, it was so difficult to convict a person of adultery because you had to have not one but two eyewitnesses to the crime. (laughs) So class, legal experts, what's happened here? Question, where's the other eyewitness? They've dragged the woman into the court, the, the glaring question that Jesus had picked up on as a sharp lawyer was like, where's your other witness? In other words, you've dragged this woman out in front of the village and you're trying to entrap her. Where's the man? He's probably standing amongst them. Pull him out too. Be fair about this. The Old Testament law hates the partiality of men over women, rich over poor. Where is the justice in this? And so this was not a matter of Jesus saying, oh, just because you're a bad person doesn't mean that you can't judge. Of course, there's implications for that. Jesus was the ultimate lawyer who said, you guys don't even know your own law. Here's the principle. 
Jesus messes with the good. If you come to Jesus and you think that you are going to be accepted and be right before God on the sense of your own goodness, your own rightness with the law, this lawyer will tear you apart. (laughs) He said God's law is so good and so perfect and so wonderful that if you want to come just even in an inkling on trying to get around that law, you will never win. And what it means is any of us here that calls ourselves Christians, most of us are Christians because we realize that we fought the law and the law won. I fought the law and the law won. That we recognize it's not about calling us bad people. It's just saying if we want to live a life that's based on the technicalities of God's law, there's no way that I could possibly live up to that. You remember Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So Jesus on one hand is incredibly all truth. He messes with the good. It means for you this morning, if you think, oh, this message is not for me, there's not a mess in my life, it's okay, it's for, I know exactly, I know exactly who I should send this podcast to once this is done. <laughs> if you're that person, if the minute you're a good person, Jesus is going to mess with you. <laughs> He's going to mess with you. That's what we've all found. He messes with the good. But here's the other thing, he makes good of the messy. On one hand, Jesus is all truth, but he is beautiful grace. He comes in, what does he do? He turns to the woman. He says to her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now again, look at the incredible balance of Jesus in all of this. Let's look at straight away. He says, neither do I condemn here. But what does he say? He says, stop sinning. (laughs) He's saying, honey, the only reason that you're in this mess is because you've created mess. The reason that Jesus uh, talks about um, these mess and the way that she's like that is because it's no accident that she's in that mess in the first place. He's saying, honey, you've got stuff in your life that you are causing yourself harm with. Stop doing that. Stop it. So it's this incredible balance of grace to say, I don't condemn you, but he's saying, I hold you accountable to that. I demand conversion. I demand a change of heart. I demand a change of life. So can you, see, can you see the radical balance of Jesus in all of this? You see, over, on, over on, this, on this side, Jesus is incredibly all truth and all law. Don't try and out-bush lawyer Jesus. He's incredibly law and truth, which, which speaks against the people that think, oh yeah, Jesus said, just don't, you know, don't, don't, don't cast the first stone if you've got sin in your life. You know, he's all grace. No, Jesus is all law. But on the other hand, to the people that he extends a word of grace through, he brings truth with it at the same time. Is it just me or is no Christian really ever perfectly like this? How many Christians have we seen, particularly in this season at the moment, where where they're all truth, they're all law, they're all judgment, they're all criticism, they're all bush lawyers coming out judging and condemning people. And yet... Uh, also we see people who are all grace and think that God loves you just regardless. He's just a good and a beautiful person. And yet we see Jesus is perfectly both truth and grace. I think he speaks to all of us this morning. He speaks to us. He speaks to you if you're good. If you think you're good, then the one thing you can be sure of is he's going to mess with you. <laughs> And if you're a person this morning that thinks, I've mucked it, 
I've stuffed it. I, I, I've made such a mess of my life. You will find grace. Perfect balance. Let's uh, get some quick application as we get ready to wrap up this morning. Here's the first thing. I, I can't believe I've even got to preach this, but I do. Because I can't tell you how many people that I have to say this to, particularly when we do Christianity Explained and people ask questions about Christianity. I can't believe I've got to preach this. But I'll say it anyway. If we see that Jesus is in the middle of the mess, then you don't have to get your mess together in order to meet Jesus. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? But the amount of people that I hear, I don't want to go to church, I'm afraid of going to church, God will never accept me, God will never love me. The amount of people that withhold and withdraw from him because they think they've got to get their mess together, when it's simple that if we see God in the mess, then you don't have to get your mess together to be with God. You know, People saying, you don't know what I've done. Well, there's forgiveness to spare. But you don't know how much I've mucked up my life and the problems. Well, there's power to spare. You, you, you don't know how afraid I am that I'll have to give up things that I like. There's joy to spare when you meet Jesus. You don't need to get your mess together to meet him. That's the first one. Second one, we're going to go through them quickly. Whenever Jesus gives you a word of challenge, a word of grace, it always comes with a word of challenge. You see that? Neither do I condemn thee. And then he says, stop that. It's, you know, a lot of movies, they, they, they like to portray this scene as neither do I condemn thee and they just let it ellipsis, they just let it trail off. But he says, neither do I condemn thee, stop sinning. That's so vital because you know what? None of you love like this, by the way, of the people that you truly love. None of you love like this because grace is not withholding judgment. Grace is always interrupting self-destructive behaviour. You do that. There's a family that's part of our church community that are just relentless in their adoption of kids that are coming from messy lives. Some of us know them. They are incredible in their hearts in the way that they adopt kids from very, very broken families. Now, when they invite these kids into their home, do you think they just sit them at the dinner table and say, welcome to the family, kids. Uh, Just keep doing whatever you've been doing that's made your life such a mess. Keep doing what you've doing that's meant that you've ended up with, with docs. Just, just, you just keep doing it and you can hang under our roof. Do you think of a good family seriously going to love like that? Grace is always interrupting self-destructive behaviour. So no, the family says, no, you can't live like this and you can't do that. And they hold their feet to the fire until they make these kids into people of greatness and beauty. So whenever, whenever Jesus gives you a word of grace, receive it. But at the same time, it always comes with a challenge. Honey, darling, I accept you, but stop it. I've come to make you a person of greatness. So it always comes with a challenge. You wouldn't love a child like that. God wouldn't love you like that. The last one then. We've got to get this. This is particularly for us Christians and mature ones. You cannot pray yourself out of a situation that you've behaved yourself into. (laughs) We try it. Boy, do we try it. We try it all the time. But at the end of it, verse 12, when Jesus spoke again, said, mic drop. You know, everyone files away. 
the religious go, she goes, mic drop, and it says, when Jesus spoke again. I wonder how long that pause was. And then he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You've got to... Jesus hasn't come to just make you aware of your messes. In fact, you've got enough people in your life and the church that can help you be aware of your messes. (laughs) Jesus hasn't come just to make you aware of your messes. He's come to lead you out. And it means that you've got to follow him out of that. But I think part of the challenge is that so many of us treat Jesus like we treat the NRMA. Or life breakdown... And last year, the time I checked, yep, I've got the Northside membership card. We just call him and we pray and then he fixes us up until we feel a little bit better and then we want you know, to wipe the hands, shake the hands. That's great, Jesus. Thank you. Uh, I'll call you again when I'm in a spot of bother and we'll catch up next time. <laughs> but it doesn't work like that. He's, he's called you to follow him out. And last time I checked anecdotally, no one in this place has ever followed Jesus into a mess. Last time I checked, most of the times that we've moved into a mess is because we followed ourselves into a mess. (laughs) He can be trusted and he's come to lead you out of that. We want to treat God like the NRMA, but the reality is he's your earthly father. And last time I checked as an earthly father, uh, what I want from my kids is not their perfection, I want their relationship. It would kill me if my kids withdrew from me because they thought they had to get their mess together in order to be with me. And so what it means for you is to, 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 to get off the treadmill of your own sense of self-derived worthiness, that you're constantly proving that I have to be worthy in the eyes of my parents and worthy in the eyes of my career and my profession, worthy in the eyes of they, whoever they is, but all of us have a they that we feel that we, they think that we need to be worthy. But we've got to, Jesus says, get off that. Follow me out of that. And... And here's why, because if you think you're good, I'll mess you up. But he says, when you come to realise you're a mess, I'll make you good. Um, years later, I was laughing with my cousin and the family about all of that story too, playing uh, badminton in the backyard, get in the ring. I still listen to Guns N' Roses every now and then too, by the way. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free, by the way. Yep, thank you. Amen. <laughs> And as we were laughing and chuckling about it, my, my, my auntie revealed to us in that moment that not only were the next door neighbours terribly upset about the music that was played, but they actually moved out of the village. <laughs> and in that moment, as a grown-up and adult, I thought, how much did that cost her as a village manager? 10 grand? 20 grand? 15 grand? And I thought hanging out in my room for an hour at the holiday house was a big punishment. Now question, what happens to me in that moment where I understand how much it cost her? Did my love for her get bigger or smaller in that moment? Did the mess diminish or amplify my sense and my experience of her love for me? And now's the good news particularly for you right at the end who have been holding on, thinking, I'm not going to admit my mess. 
when we come to acknowledge how much of a mess that we've made and when we come to realise that the only way that Jesus could say to that lady a couple of thousand years ago and the only way that Jesus can say to every one of us, regardless of your religious background, neither do I condemn thee, is because he's saying one day I will be condemned. And we're Christians, we're forever going on about this cross, aren't we? Why? Because we constantly meet every week to come back to that moment. We're sitting, around the, we're sitting around the dinner table having a laugh at those moments of the times that we were naive and unwise and we stuffed up and we messed up in our lives. And then we realise, wow, it cost him. How much did it cost him? One of the great preachers once said, until I realise how much it cost, I never, I'll never know whether to shake Jesus' hand or kiss his feet. And so it means for you today that if you dare look into the size and the scope of some of your messes, it it can't possibly, if you combine it with this great mystery, it can't possibly destroy your self-esteem. Because when you come to understand how much it cost him to love you, then it, it, it elevates you, it escalates you, it shoots you into a love that you could never have possibly comprehended or imagined. What's it cost your God to love you? God of your career, what's that? What's your career pain to love you? God of your family? God of your bank balance? (laughs) Only this God, when you fail him, forgives you. Only this God, when you fail him, says, (laughs) I'll pay. So there it is. If here's the, we can see how it works. If you're willing to acknowledge your messes, all it can possibly do is bring you nearer, one step, baby step closer to God. As you come to understand and experience his love for you. God will meet you in the mess. We know that because Jesus met people in the mess. So we know this too because in this room there are, there are a whole heap of, of men and women in this place. Who said, you know, when, when, I, when I messed up, I gave up, I looked up, and God showed up. Anyone here willing to admit that they first met God in the middle of a mess? Anyone willing to put their hand up there? We've got a couple there. Thank you for being so honest and raw. You've obviously done your homework. I do that because go and have a coffee with them after the service. <laughs> go and have a coffee with them and they will show you. As a case study, that they will tell you that before the mess, God, God, this notion of God rescuing me, he was just an idea. That was the God of the church. That was the God of Sunday school. That was the God of my parents. <laughs> that was a God that was just an idea. And then in the mess, it was the mess that made that God re- real to them. It was a result of the mess, a result of the giving up, a result of their hands up, the result of all of this that God showed up in the midst of the mess. So, bless the mess. <laughs> bless the mess when we look at it this way, eh? Because now we come to realise that no matter how big a mess that you have made in your life, that mess will always have the potential to bring you one step closer to God. Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.